Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. For many women, having a baby means leaving the workforce for years rather than months. Unfortunately, such a long absence from paid employment can really damage their careers. Yet there are strategies that can be followed to ease this difficult transition back to work. I'm Adam Jones, and in this Financial Times Management podcast, I'm looking at the advice that Harvard Business School gives to mothers in this position. The school offers a week-long course to women re-entering the workforce, entitled "A New Path: Setting New Professional Directions." The career counselling comes at a price, five thousand dollars a head. But instead of shelling out such a large sum, I talked to Professor Tim Butler, the course leader, to see what tips I could scavenge for free. I started by asking him what was the biggest obstacle faced by returning mothers. There are several, but we were rather surprised when we began this program, this New Path program at Harvard、uh, four years ago. We were surprised to see how big the whole issue of confidence really is. It surprised us because we looked at our class, and these were very accomplished women with impressive resumes. Who had been in important professional positions、uh, before they chose to leave the workforce, and some of them had been only been out a few years, others a little bit longer or substantially longer. But as they faced the prospect of re-entering, there was this deep questioning: Can I do it?、Um, do I know the latest buzzwords? Have have processes changed? Has has technology changed?、Um, can I hold my own? Uh, we were surprised at which、uh, the strength with which this、uh, these type of sentiments emerged. And at Harvard, how do you go about boosting the confidence of these mothers who perhaps have fantastic qualifications but maybe feel a bit vulnerable, having spent a few years out of the workforce? In successive iterations of the program, we've devoted more time to addressing this issue once we realized how central it truly is. And basically, there are four four ways in which we come at it. They are assessment. Content, challenge, and support. And let me tell you just a little bit about each assessment. We do thorough assessments as part of the program, not just、um, skill assessments, but assessments of of deeply embedded life interests, of motivational hierarchies, of why you're working, what you want to get out of work. But in the skills area, women coming to this session,、um, which begins the second week in March. Will、uh, take thorough 360-degree assessments. So, friends and family who know them well, former workers and colleagues,、um, people that they know from volunteer associations, will anonymously and confidentially rate them on 41 different organizational skill and leadership dimensions, and then they will rate themselves. And I will tell you what we'll find in advance: that on many of these dimensions, they will rate themselves significantly lower than the people who know them well. So that's an opportunity to show that. Perhaps the negative self-image is excessively downbeat, and we can quanti- we can put it into quantitative terms and show them dramatically how 
how this is happening. So that, that's the assessment piece. Content, um, we address skill development. So we have faculty in the areas of finance and marketing and negotiations and entrepreneurial endeavors who come in and um, uh, help the participants to realize what some of the latest issues are, cutting-edge issues are, and uh, boost their confidence that way. And the second two uh, methods of attack, if you will, are challenge and support. Uh, we work in these small groups of four women plus a coach, and the spirit is challenge and support. You challenge this individual to be articulate about who they are and what they want. You challenge them to be able to uh, put that into an elevator pitch, a brief statement of mission. You challenge them to really look at what strengths are and to honor those strengths and to look at how they're describing their weaknesses or how they're experiencing their weaknesses and ask them, first of all, are these weaknesses as, um, as detrimental as you believe? And if they are, in fact, getting in the way, what is your plan to do something about them? And always, of course, support. Support in coming up with a plan, uh, coming up with a plan for a vision, for strategy, for tactics, coming up with a plan for skill development. So uh, assessment, course content, challenge, and support. Now, that's all well and good, but the fact is, however, that mothers do often have big holes in their CVs or resumes. Should they just pretend those holes don't exist? Should they gloss over that period of their lives in interviews? Absolutely not. The worst thing you can do in any interview, and this goes for any of your uh, listeners who are, who are in the workforce or not in the workforce, the worst thing you can do in any interview is be defensive. You have nothing to be defensive about. If you think about what an actively engaged parent does, it is project management with a capital P and a capital M, all the complexity of planning and of execution that's required to do that. A significant portion of uh, the women who participate in our programs have also had significant roles in volunteer organizations, in school organizations, in church, synagogue, or other religious institutions. And these are all meaningful organizational activities where they, they showed the skills they had, they continued to develop the skills that they have, and these are more than fair game for discussing in any interview situation. What it often boils down to is this, transferability of skills. Basically, if I'm an employer, Adam, uh, I want one thing. I've got a problem, and I want to know if you, the person sitting in front of me, is going to make that problem go away. And if I'm convinced that you've got the skills to make that problem go away, whether it's selling something or analyzing something or planning something, if I'm convinced that you can do it, frankly, I don't care what you've done for the past five years. So bearing in mind the need to have a story crafted for when you re-enter the workforce, what should mothers be doing in preparation when they actually leave their jobs for an extended period? Um, well, uh, two words uh, to sum up what I think is most important, and that is stay connected. Uh, stay connected to the extent that it's possible, and I recognize, everyone recognizes, that the, the challenges of parenting are significant. But to the extent that it is possible, stay connected with uh, friends and colleagues from your work environment. Stay connected, if possible, with professional organizations. If possible, subscribe to the, to the trade magazines and the journals relevant to your particular industry. If there's opportunity to attend a conference or a training conference or a skills conference, um, try to do that if at all possible, both 
to to feel like you're you are you're building skills but also to network with the people who show up at such events and it may seem to you even if you have no plans to return to the workforce for several years that this is just one more chore um, to be accomplished amidst a busy schedule um, know that it will pay off uh, to keep these to keep these connections alive of course, people's priorities change after becoming parents. They often don't want to let work be as dominant as it was before. When you are coming back to work as a parent with that kind of mindset, how do you communicate to a potential employer that you still have ambition while also communicating that there are boundaries in your life and you aren't necessarily as flexible as you were before? Right. Well, the first thing you do, and perhaps the most important, is you look them in the eyes and with great energy you let them know that this is work you want and this is work that you are, are going to commit to with great energy and enthusiasm. Even if you're ambivalent and you haven't quite made your final decision about whether you want this job or not, well, postpone your ambivalence for the 45 minutes of the interview. You can decide. But in that room, with all honesty and with all authenticity, you, you show the enthusiasm that you had that brought you to the interview in the first place. One piece of advice that I'd give right off is to avoid the term part-time. There is a big difference between looking for flexibility in work hours and signaling that you're looking for something that is part-time. Part-time has the unfortunate connotation of partial commitment, uh, that your focus is elsewhere. I think that whether that's true or not, uh, that's often the association that many make to that term. Flexibility, flex hours um, is, is the language that you want to be using. There are any number of arrangements that can be made in this regard in terms of when you start in the morning and when you leave in the evening. Uh, in terms of the possibility of working for home on certain days and setting up uh, parameters so that's clear to your boss, to your fellow workers, that in fact you are working and working hard during that time, and that there's transparency there. I think that's one of the key features of successful work-from-home efforts, is that there's transparency about the work being done, clearly defined goals and ways of measuring them. The other thing I would recommend around this issue of flexibility is that you get clear yourself on what flexibility means because it means different things to different people. Some people are quite willing to uh, travel quite a bit as long as they have significant advance notice of when that travel will be. Uh, some people, again, will be willing to work a considerable number of hours on a weekly basis as long as there is some flexibility in choosing when those hours will be worked. Everyone, I encourage everyone to think about what flexibility means for them and to be able to articulate that. But the watchword is be positive and wholly committed before you get into the, the nitty-gritty of what might be non-negotiable in terms of flexibility. Your commitment and your enthusiasm and your energy and your readiness to get, get at it, that has to be presented with, with no ambivalence in, in a very clear and convincing fashion. And of course that is particularly important right now given the appalling conditions in many big economies. And how is the recession affecting women hoping to return to the workforce? Obviously, on one level, one would imagine that the number of vacancies has diminished. But is there a knock-on effect on the psyche of organizations and their willingness to take mothers back into employment? 
couple of thoughts here. First is, yes, obviously we're facing an extraordinarily difficult situation, and its effect on um, unemployment is, is going to be significant. We've already seen that. I have heard, I will tell you, a number of conversations in recent months about the advantage of flexibility um, given this situation, that uh, workforces can be more nimble, more flexible uh, by having people who are not necessarily, um, and I'll go against my earlier uh, advice to not to get into the full-time, part-time designation, who are not necessarily full-time, but who are being paid as consultants who are doing work on project basis, um, uh, and this allows the organization to do better planning and be more efficient with their workforce structuring. Uh, there's been talk about how flexibility can actually, in this environment, uh, increase the efficiency of an organization. And that's something that I think a number of uh, individuals returning to the workforce should think about really understand uh, your your potential employer. So what challenges are they facing? What work do they need to get done? How are they currently structured to do it? And what way could having you on flexible hours uh, be an advantage to them? So I think that is definitely an angle uh, that, that uh, someone returning to the workforce in this context should definitely take. Take the time to do that analysis and perhaps present a compelling case uh, in that regard. Professor Tim Butler, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure, Adam. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.